So tonight we're going to speak briefly from the Gopaltapani Upanishad, which is a work in progress. It's actually uh, in the stage of Sanskrit editing now, my commentary. So I want to uh, read a verse from the Gopaltapani Uttar. Uttar means later. So the Purva and Uttar, the two sections, the beginning and the later section. We've discussed some verses from the Gopaltapani Purva. There are some classes that have been recorded from those talks. And this is, again, a verse from the Gopaltapani Uttar. Uttar Tapani is about about a hundred verses, and the Purva is about fifty verses. So it's a short, short book. And here in the uh, Uttartapani, Uttartapani consists of a conversation between the gopis, headed by Radha, who is named Gandharvi in the Supanishad, and the sage Durvas, who is a partial incarnation of Rudra, and generally a pretty fiery fellow. But he's quite soft here in the Gopaltapani in connection with the dear uh, milk maidens of Krishna, whom he is instructing in Upanishadic wisdom, wishing that he himself had the kind of ignorance that they were steeped in, a kind of divine ignorance that enabled them to come so close to Brahman, to the Absolute, that they didn't know it was Brahman they were in touch with. <laughs> There's that kind of closeness. So those who are glorifying Brahman from a distance, the sages, the rishis, and so forth, they marvel at this position of the uh, cowherds, the coward people of Brajan. And so in the course of instructing them, they were sent to him by Krishna himself upon asking Krishna who is the best Brahman to worship. Krishna told him Durvasa. The reason they asked about who is the best Brahman to worship is because in their spiritual or divine ignorance they were religious. So they wanted to worship a very qualified brahmana with the objective of getting a blessing that they could have Krishna as their husband. So this is the kind of their religious thinking, if you will, but it's supra-religious in reality. 
And so Durvas is, is instructing them in Upanishadic wisdom. They become the medium, so to speak, these gopis and Gandharvi in particular, through which we, while learning, glimpsing their position in the Leela, we get basic Upanishadic wisdom or insights, which is really the platform on which their Leela with Lord Krishna is enacted. In other words, it's enacted on the platform of Advaigyan Tattva, non-dual knowledge in the language of Bhagavatam. The truth is what? Badanti tat tattva vidas tattvam yajjnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabdate. Learn it, not foolish people, tadvidha. Wise people, they say, that the nature of reality is non-dual knowledge. So we live in a plane of duality where we think one thinks it is cold, another thinks it is hot. One thinks it is good, another thinks it is bad relative to our senses and minds which are the mediums are mediums of perception and experience or which we more, more appropriately might call which are the impediments to our perceiving the real nature of being, the nature of, of ultimate reality, things as they are. So steeped in this duality, born of the perception through the medium of mind and senses, we're uh, bewildered, deluded, difficult from that position to understand what is Krishna Leela. We can get some theory about that, but we are taught in the context of that, hearing that theory to focus ourselves, to apply ourselves in such a way we can rise above this deluded sense of reality brought on by the mind and the senses, live in, on the plane of Advaigyan Tattva, non-dual knowledge, and from there, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur said, real bhajan can be enacted, can be performed. The means to actually understand that leela, to experience that leela. So, very nice Upanishad, very high, in a very deep part of Krishna leela, the gopis have just had Rasa Leela with Krishna and they ask him in, after the night, after having spent the night with him, who is the best Brahman to worship? Because they'll have to be separated from him now, day has come, but they really don't want to be separated ever. So they're thinking if they worship a good Brahman, they can get him as their husband, so they'll always have his company. So he's, as I say, he sends them to Devas with a mystic uh, mystic advice because Devas is on the other side of the Jamuna, so how they will get to the other side of the Jamuna? And they question Krishna. And he says, oh, just say Krishna's a brahmachari and the river will allow you to pass. So that's a little bewildering because there might be power in truth. But if you speak a lie, what power is in that? And so they're thinking, Krishna's not a brahmachari. We just spent the whole night with him. But nonetheless, they say it, Krishna's a brahmachari. <laughs> and of course the river opens and they pass to the other side. And they bring sweet rice to Durvas, and then they have to cross back. And they ask him how they'll get back, and Durvas says, we'll just say that Durvas never eats. And they just saw him eat the sweet rice to his full satisfaction. So they said, wait a minute. So they ask him, how is it that Krishna's on a brahmacharya, and how is it that you never eat? And so he explains very basic principles about spiritual life, the difference between the body and the soul, how the soul really never contacts the sense objects 
The soul is never really the enjoyer or the sufferer of the senses' interaction with the object of the senses, but only through the medium of the mind does it think that it is the enjoyer or the sufferer. And one who knows himself to be the soul, even while interacting, is in a sense not interacting. In this way, he basically gives an explanation of the difference between the self and the body and the difference between the self and the supreme self. Those these are some pretty pretty basic points, but are important points, essential points to understand in order to truly experience uh, that Leela. In fact, he's already experiencing that, and he wishes that he could be <laughs> as ignorant as the gopis appear to be. They far surpass him in transcendental penetration. So, after giving some basic instructions like this, then Gandharvi, who has been nominated by the rest of the gopis to be the spokesperson for all of them, asks further questions about that cowherd Krishna. How is it that he descended amongst the cowherds? This uh, Durvas told him, basically, uh, he's Brahman. And so how is it that the, the Supreme Brahman descended amongst the cowherds like this? What is his place, his abode? And uh, uh, what is his mantra? What are the rituals that accompany his his worship? And and who is his elder brother, Ram? What's his significance? And a number of questions she asks. So in the context of answering Gandharvi's further inquiries, Durvas cites a narrative of a conversation between Brahma and Narayana. And reciting that narrative and the gist of their conversation, in the context of that, Gandharvi's questions are answered. Durvas heard about Brahma's conversation with Narayana at the dawn of creation through disciplic succession, and he's relating it to the gopis. So we're going to read from tonight. We're right in the middle of this section. Narayan's conversation with Brahma. Text, uh, six, text 39. by Atmat Vena Shishti Paryantam Alati So Gopala Bhavati Hi. This is the first line of this particular verse, which is really, this is actually more prose here than, than a verse, but he says, Yogopan Jivan Bhai Atmat Vena Shishti Paryantam Alati Go Sagopala Bhavati Hi. Narayan says to Brahma, He who from the very beginning of the creation, Atmatmena Shishti Pardyantam, Alati Sogopala. You from the very beginning of creation, in the word since time really means immemorial, since forever is really what he's saying. Because the creations are going on over and over and over again. There's no beginning to the cycle of creations, while each each creation may have a beginning cycle of creations is going on over and over and over again. So he says, he from the very beginning of creation, which there is no beginning to in the ultimate sense, he who from the very beginning of creation takes the living entities known as the gopas, as his very life, as his very self, is verily gopal. 
And he says, Om Tad Satsoham Param Brahma Krishnatmako Nityanandaika Rupa Soham Om Tad Gopala Eva Param Satyam Abhaditam Soham Iti Atmanam Adaya Manasaikyam Kuryat Atmanam Gopalaham Iti Bhavayat Saeva Vyakto Nantho Nityo Gopalaha he says, one should think, the truth is identical with the sacred syllable Om, and I am He, I am He, who is the Supreme Brahman, the essence of whom is Krishna, whose only form is one of eternal bliss, that Gopal is the unobstructed Supreme Truth, thinking, I am He. One should take control of the self and concentrate the mind. One should then meditate on the self, thinking, I am Gopal. Verily, he is the unmanifest, infinite, and eternal Gopal. Curious that such a statement should appear in what is termed earlier in this text as a Vaishnav Upanishad. But because it is called a Vaishnav Upanishad in the Purvatapani, it is mentioned we should therefore understand to some extent from that how this verse should be understood where 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 so hum i am he i am he is, is invoked a number of times and so hum hum gopala i am gopal all these statements are made here so because it's a vaishnava Upanishad, there is no vaishnava sect that fully identifies the jiva with brahman in every sense. The monistic Advaita Sampradaya, they say there's, there's absolutely no difference between Jiva and Brahman, between Atman and Paramatma. But none of the four Vaishnava Sampradayas say that. So we cannot take this in an Advaitan sense because it's a Vaishnava Upanishad. And because it's a Vaishnava Upanishad, we also find earlier in the text, in the Purvatapani, that Bhakti itself is glorified as liberation. In other words, one who is engaged fully in bhakti, it's described, is a liberated soul. Not that bhakti, for example, in the, as it's described in the Advaitin Sampradaya, is a means to liberation, at which time there is no more devotion. But it in itself is a liberated activity. Because this is mentioned earlier in the text, and if we were to read on, we'll find such things are also mentioned later in the text, towards the end of this Uttartapani. Similar statements are made. Statements are made with regard to the eternality of the form of Krishna and the eternality of bhakti, how the one who surrenders in a liberated status, the Lord says, I give myself to him. You're going to give yourself to someone and be that that person at the same time. So because in the earlier section of this Upanishad and in the later section of this Upanishad, earlier and later in this text, it's clearly being explained that there's a difference between the Jiva and Brahman, between Atman and Paramatma. The middle section can't be saying something different. It has to be saying the same thing. So we have to take this statement and understand it within the context 
number one, of this Upanishad, and number two, because it's a Vaishnava Upanishad in the context of Vaishnavism. So what's being explained here is in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's terminology, you could say in Jiva Goswami's terminology, Jiva Goswami is the one who named the metaphysic of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Achintya Beda Bheda. So Bed means difference. And Abhed means non-different. Bed Abhed. So here the Abhed side of the Bed Abhed equation is being discussed. It's the it's the philosophical side of a religio philosophical ideology. The Bed is the religious side. As I said, the bhakti, the, the lila, is performed on the platform of advaigyan tattva. So the tattva of advaigyan. The tattva, tattva means philosophy, means truth. So it means that we have to rise above the duality and identify ourselves with Brahman rather than with sense objects. And in the context of such identification, engaging in bhakti, we can come to the platform of entering the lila where there's apparent difference. So both sides, we have the theological or the religious and the philosophical side of the equation. Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. So the Abed side is being described here. We generally don't stress this side because unless we stress the other side, no one will be a devotee. Prabhupada, of course, and appropriately so, used to harp on this. And it's one of the reasons that we sit in a, in a gathering like this. And it's one of the reasons why we have to continually speak about the metaphysic of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's problematic in a sense, because people aren't that interested in, in, in metaphysics. They were interested in practical things. How can I become a better person, more compassionate person, a kind of person, how can my life improve? And those things are all very important for all of us as devotees. If we are really devotees, we should be ornamented by all all good qualities. Kindness to other jivas and, uh, and so on. But if we only talk about those things, we don't talk about the metaphysic and distinguish this idea that there's the jiva and there's the Lord and therefore there's Leela and so forth, then there's no scope for achieving the idea. The ideal, some so some conceptual orientation has to be there, which makes us oh, I'm a devotee. And then, within the context of that, of course, we have to develop all all good qualities. Those are the sadhava, sadhuvushanam, the ornaments of a devotee, the ornaments of the devotee, titikshiva, karunika, surita sabadehina, majata, shata, vashantu, sadhava, sadhuvushanam, sadhuvushanam means the ornament of a devotee. What, it, what is that? It doesn't mean this dress and and so on. Those are ornaments to an extent, the tilak, the kuntimala, the attire, they're beautiful and charming, no doubt, but we can also have all those things and be in the language of Thakur Bhakti, not Kali Chela, a disciple of Kali Yuga only. So the real deeper sense of the ornaments of the devotee are all these good qualities, like Kupila told devotee, titikshava, karunika, tolerance, kindness, mercy to others. Being the friend of everyone, seeing no one as my enemy, and all such qualities, these are ornaments of the real devotee. 
So, but still, we because we we are we in a sense in in the whole spiritual milieu of particularly of the Western world are distinguished from every other every other group out there by our metaphysic to a greater extent than other groups are distinguished from one another to a greater extent extent for example than than the monists are distinguished from the Buddhists or the Shaivites and the yogis are from one another. The devotees are in a class of their own, actually. The devotees are in a class, special class of their own who come to know Brahman in very, very specific terms and very, very intimately and, and certainly even, even more so in Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition, the devotees of Krishna, the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So there are some there are very important distinguishing characteristics conceptual orientation between the such uh, devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and other spiritual sects. So anyway, this is one of the points that distinguishes us, so there always has to be some emphasis on this, and for that reason, largely, the preaching emphasis is on the side of the bed. There's a difference between Jiva and Brahman. You're not God. But the other side, it's also there, and sometimes that has to be talked about, and indeed that has to be realized. Our oneness with Brahman in a general sense, has to be realized if we are to know the kind of oneness of the gopis and gopas of Vrindavan, which Narayan is speaking about here. He's speaking about Krishna, and actually in this verse he's distinguishing himself, even, from Krishna, as subordinate to Krishna. And he says about Krishna that he who from the very beginning, from since time immemorial, takes the living entities known as the gopas, as his very self. He is a Gopal. So there's a couple of things being mentioned here. The language is speaking both about the Gopas, like the cowherd people of Vrindavan, and the living entities in general. And what Narayan is saying is that every living being is dear to that person who is Gopal, potentially, in general, and potentially, in the way in which the gopas, the cowherds of Braj, are united with him since forever, since for all time, as one with him. So he's using this example of the Braj Leela and Krishna's relationship with the cowherds to say all living beings he feels kindness towards and oneness with in a general sense. And potentially, this is Gopal. Gaur is Gopal. She got Hari, so he goes to be Hari. You understand? She got Hari, so he goes to be Hari. That Gaur is a Gopal. The same. That Gaur is Gopal, so much influenced by the love of Radha. And how is that love of Radha that's influencing Gopal, that causes him to appear as Gaur, affecting us? The full measure of compassion of the Absolute is, is manifest. This is a Gopal. That Gopal is also Gaur. And he wants all living beings. He doesn't distinguish between anyone, higher or lower. He offers himself to all of them. Come and live with me, just like the, the coward people of Vrindavan, who I accept fairly as myself in a more general sense in relation to Narayan, this was the astute 
perception of the Kumaras, you know, when they came to Baikunta, to the gates of Baikunta, and they weren't allowed in, and they created a bit of a ruckus. Narayan came out of his palace, and he said, Oh, I have offended you. The gatekeepers didn't let the Kumaras in, because they were Ganis, they weren't devotees. And when they complained, word came to Narayan. Narayan came and said, Oh, I've offended you. Please forgive me. When he said that, these Kumaras, they're very, very smart. They thought, Oh my, where are we? Because he didn't offend us, these gatekeepers did. They understood, he sees these gatekeepers as his own self. This is not the material world. We haven't come to any place in the material world. There is a distinction here going on between the gatekeepers and Narayan. But it's not like the distinction we find in the material world. It's a very special distinction that makes up the world of bhakti. But it's not a distinction in a material sense based on your sense perception and my sense perception which causes differences, which only allows us to get so close. You know, that filter is of mind and senses is, is lifted and there's a union between Jiva and Brahman. But here there's simultaneously a difference that manifests in the context of that union. Very special thing. So Narayanas said, Oh, I've offended you. And they could understand, Wow, this is a special place. We really want to get in here. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, they thought, Oh, we are offensive. Let's see, that was our position. So, more so, even more so, are the cowherds the very self of Krishna. And the coward, the, the sakas, in particular the friends of Krishna, are characterized by a sense of equality. This is in a general sense, all the coward people, but it may be worth talking about the, the friends of Krishna in this regard. Their, their love is characteristic of what we call pranaya, development of prem. Pranaya means, means love. Pranaya. It means in love there's a kind of a, a oneness that doesn't allow difference to get in the way. In other words, the cowherds do not hesitate to touch any part of Krishna, put their feet on his head. I've said it before, just like if you're walking in a crowd and somebody touches you, you go, oh, oh you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But if your friend touches you, you don't say anything because you've so much identified with that person. Their touch is like touching your, an extension of your own self. So they are like this with Krishna. Therefore, they can climb on Krishna's shoulders after pinning him to the ground and defeating him in the wrestling. They can climb on his shoulders and take the fruit of their victory without any hesitation. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has described their love in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Through his pen, Mahaprabhu speaks to Rupa Goswami in 21st chapter of, I think it's 21st chapter or 19th chapter of uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says, Vishrambha, Vishrambha, Pradhan, Sakya. The basis, the foundation of this Sakya is Vishrambha. He used the word Vishrambha. Vishrambha means intimacy, familiarity, sense of equality. So this is the distinguishing characteristic of Sakya, equality. He said that friendship can only be shared in the fullest sense of the term between equals. So he says the, the Pradhan of Sakya is Vishwamba. He says 
कृष्णे सेवे कृष्णे करे अपना सेवान समटाइम्स दे सर्व कृष्ण समटाइम्स कृष्ण सर्व देम दिस इज द नेचर ऑफ देयर रिलेशनशिप सो कृष्ण स्पीकिंग अबाउट देम हियर ही सेज वेरली दे एंड आई आर वन एंड पोटेंशियली ऑल ऑफ बिग एंटिटीज इन अ जनरल सेंस दे आर वन विद मी एंड पोटेंशियली दे कैन हैव सच इंटिमेसी विद मी and that's what this upanishad is teaching about so he says understanding this then and that the truth is identical with the sacred syllable om this is being explained in this this section that that gopal is om omkar won't you think i am he so hum so hum so the vaishnav meaning of that is that just as the rays of the sun are one with the sun so the jiva is one with brahman now unless you become like fire you cannot live in the sun so unless you become spirit and rise above duality and come to non-dual consciousness of which brahman reality is constituted you can enter that plane this is the idea soham is is it's also a version of what's called the ajapa mantra or ajapa gayatri it means ajapa it means a mantra that is that is spoken effortlessly ajapa the idea is like this so hum so hum as the in, outgoing and ingoing breath move so so Um, effortlessly this is called ajapa mantra or ajapa gayatri the version of this that prabodhananda sarasvati in his commentary cites is asohadhum so he says that while this mantra says i am he or that i am that it also is concluded with om and the om is brahman om is gopal and because it's concluded with om it's clarifying the whole mantra by saying i am he in the sense that om brahman is the source is the root of myself just like the flower is the plant the flower is the seed my hand is my body right that's true but it's also my hand <laughs> and if we don't stress that point then well my hand is my body my stomach is my body my stomach is hungry i'll just eat my hand <laughs> that won't work will it <laughs> no so we have to put we have to go beyond that this idea of bhakti <clears throat> so he's saying anyway in this sense so hum so hum The soham is also voiced by the gopis right in the middle of rasa leela when krishna leaves the rasa dance to single out and illustrate the speciality the, the superiority of radha's love the gopis are searching after him trying to find him they say at one point soham aham so aham gopala they say soham gopala i am gopal they say but they continue searching for him at the same time 
So the, the Mayavadis would say, see, they realized they were Brahman at that point, then why are they still moving around, <laughs> <laughs> searching after Krishna? So Rupa Goswami uh, has commented actually on that in his Ujjwal Nilamani. He says, this uh, this Soham, uh, this Orham Gopal of the Gopis, this is, a, this is a called a particular uh, sentiment called Lila, not Lila in the ordinary sense, but it means a, a nuance of of love, vibrama bilas, where one be kind of a bewilderment in love of identification with, with the object of, of love. So this is how this uh, important section of Gopal Tapani is to be understood, all these statements like Soham, Ham Gopal, in the Ved side, Abed side of the Veda Abed equation, it comes to this ultimately, that in a general sense, we identify with Brahman. We must become, rise above the duality of material experience in order to understand what is Krishna, what is Brahman. And further, to understand Krishna in Krishna Lila. Then, I've said this before, we worship and Krishna is the object of our worship. That is the general idea. But because what we are in, what the interested, because we're interested in Krishna, what we, what we really pursue is at closer analysis, love of Krishna. Love of Krishna is the means of attaining Krishna. If you want to attain Krishna, then you attain love of Krishna. So, at closer analysis, we worship Krishna, but we are worshiping, ultimately, as we advance in a particular way, in a particular sentiment, and that we're, we're cultivating a particular sentiment. If we're cultivating, for example, the sentiment of friendship with Krishna, like the Gopas, if we're cultivating that, then those who embody that, they become our example. We follow in their footsteps how they perceive Krishna and how they perceive the Leela and so forth. We cultivate that perception. So we're cultivating a certain sentiment of bhava, and we want to become one with that bhav. So, in this sense, we become one, our ideal is to become one with the worship that we do. And that bhava then corresponds with what we call Krishna. Krishna is that face of the Absolute that corresponds with that bhava. He appears, in a cer- the Absolute appears in a certain way before those cowards, before the gopis, which corresponds with their bhava. So this is the obeyed of the Leela. We have no in individual desire of our own. When we become only the make the will of the Lord our own, then he manifests a particular will as the supreme enjoyer through us, so that he can experience himself in Sakyabhav, in Gopibhav. Something like that. So we we should be careful in understanding and speaking about our metaphysic not to shy away from or not to do away with, not to misunderstand these type of statements. These are found throughout the Upanishads, these type of statements, and this is how they are to be understood. So, Ahamgopala, it's a big topic. And in concluding here, Narayan says, Saeva Vyakto Ananto Nityo Gopala. So he says that well, he says he's the Omtad Gopal Eva Param Satyam Abhaditam. 
he says that uh, Gopal is the supreme paramsatyam, abadhitam, the supreme unobstructed truth. So by saying he's the supreme unobstructed truth, it means that he's fully self-manifest, self-revealed, nothing reveals him. Nothing reveals him. So in this way, Narayan is implying, I myself also am subordinate to him. He's the unmanifest, infinite, eternal Gopal. He's unobstructed supreme truth. He is that face of the truth that uh, is fully satisfied by devotion that is a haituki, a pratihata also, that is without any cause and which is which is also unobstructed. When our love becomes such, then the, the lawless, unobstructed, carefree, absolute, this feature of the absolute will be known to us. So, any question? I don't understand why, if this is what's trying to be said, it's trying to refer to this non-dual platform by saying, I am Gopal. Why would they say it in such a way, such an obscure way that leads to so many other interpretations? Well, I think that um, the problem is not the way it's said. The problem is that people have interpreted it otherwise and they've broadcast that around everywhere. Otherwise, it's not hard to understand, as we've explained it, and this is the context and so forth. But because other people have given distorted interpretations of these things for their own purposes, then you've got that in your head. And therefore, it's, well, why wouldn't they say it, you know, in another way? Because it's not appearing as an isolated statement. You're studying the whole book. So he's saying, what he's saying here is, one should understand this Gopal, this full face of the Absolute, Brahman, is Gopal, and the living entities he considers as one with him, as he does those eternal eternal associates. So, as he considers himself to be one with all jivas, and particularly with the cowards people, in worshipping him, you should think, I'm one with him. I'm him. Just like... If I say about my friend, if I say, he and I are one, Gopakumar and I are one, that's common. It's a common English phrase. We're one. So if someone comes along and makes a whole philosophy out of that <laughs> and, and propagates it all over the place, then it sounds like a confusing statement. But otherwise, it's, it's understood perfectly in context. It doesn't mean I'm you in every sense. It means you know, we think alike on that. We agree. So just like we make statements like that in English, so the Upanishads are making statements like that. You shouldn't think that you're different from Gopal, that you're a product of matter from the material world. You should think you are Gopal. And you are. What's the problem? You are him. There is only him. There is no other. You're thinking there's another. That's the problem. There is no other. It's instructing us, don't think there's a... You are him. You are Gopal. If you live in a cave and you've never seen the sun, how will I explain the sun to you? If you live in a dark cave, you've never seen the sun, my task is to explain the sun to you. If I make a tiny little hole in the cave and a beam of light comes in, 
I see. That is the sun. That is the sun. Am I right? Yes. But what is that compared to the experience of coming outside of the cave? You see the sun, everything it does, the vegetation it causes, and, and so forth and so on. But you've got to start somewhere. If I say to you, you live in a cave your whole life, and I say, you want to know what is the sun? I, and I, I tell you, this, there's a thing called the sun. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> this guy thinks there's only rocks, darkness, wetness. That's all there is. And you want to say, no, there's fruits, there's flowers, uh, there's clouds, there's light, there's all types of vegetation. All of that's the sun. This man has no experience even of a beam of light. So if I come in and say, well, there's a whole world, there's a sun, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. So you have to start somewhere. So you say, oh, that light, that beam of light, that make a little hole, that's the sun. So the Upanishads reason like this. You're living in a world of darkness and misidentification. If there is one thing in this world that most resembles Brahman, the Absolute, what is it? It's us. <laughs> so we've got to start somewhere. So if you want to know what Brahman is like, you're Brahman. You're Gopal. You should think like this, that you're Gopal. What are you? You live, your consciousness... You're eternal. You're not subject to the transformations that the material things are subject to, birth, death, and so forth, all these things. The Upanishads are kind of giving basic spiritual instructions. You've just passed through the Vedas, all this religious instruction about how to live in the world religiously and so forth, and now they want to tell you, actually the fact that you're a pretty religious guy, if you want to know the truth, you're not a human, you're not part of this world. This is what the message is really about. So that's upping the ante. You're going to another stage here. One thing is to be human, and there's a God, and He blesses your activities. And, but now that we come to higher truth, you're not the body. You're not even a human being. You're a soul. What's a soul? So then they start to talk about that in a very basic way. What we're talking about in bhakti is like, you know, one thing is a tatato dharma jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about dharma ordinary people. Time to be religious. You're a human being. If you've done passed through that, then atato brahma jignasu. Now it's time to inquire about Brahman, spirit, the difference between matter and consciousness. If you got that down, then atato rasa jignasu. Now it's time to inquire about that. Very high topic. Of course, sadhus sometimes come and start from the top. <laughs> and that's what Mahaprabhu's mission is about. He's just saying, oh, we'll start from the top. Give a big installment and fill in the details <laughs> as we go along, something like that. Again, the, the reason that you make a comment like this, because we've heard this Mayavad philosophy and interpretation of, that uh, Shankar gave to the whole corpus of, of Scripture, a whole way of tweaking it, to make the jiva and Brahman one in every respect. It's not the clear reading of the text. It's a way of interpreting all of the statements, the thousands of statements about the eternality of the form of the Lord and so forth. All those have to be spun to come out with the Advaitin understanding. If you look at it very carefully, this is the point of Mahaprabhu. He said, what did Shankar say? Uh, Vyas Brahmta. This is how Mahaprabhu analyzed this, the, the tika 
commentary of Shankar in two words. And Shankar was not short of words. Mahaprabhu summed up his whole commentary in two words. Vyas Brunta. This is what Shankar is saying. Vyas is crazy. Therefore, I'm going to tell you what he really meant, but wasn't able to say it. That's how much Mahaprabhu felt that Shankar had twisted the whole of the scripture to make it revolve around this concept of oneness between Jiva and Brahman. And therefore, every statement about the Lord's Leela and eternality of his form and bhakti and all these things had to be interpreted in the way that he's interpreted them, making the two tiers of Brahman and so forth. It's all totally imposed upon the scripture. He did it in Vedanta Sutra, and I think the 17th aphorism of the first adhyaya of, of the Brahma Sutras of Vyas. And from there, he spun the whole thing. So this is Mahaprabhu's opinion. So many words of Shankar can be summed up as two. Vyasa is crazy. We don't, can't listen to that. We think he knew what he was talking about. Another question? My question is in relation to Krishna's other associates. It seems that different devotees have attraction to specific associates like Rashmana Bhadarani, Baladev, Mother Shoda. And although we may not have Ross, we may have this sort of interest in particular devotees. Mm-hmm. So is that indicative of Ross in some way? or Our interest, you mean? Yeah. Well, it depends. If one is well studied in the tattva and so forth, uh, the texts and so forth, and has some inkling, then that will be given more, taken more seriously than someone that doesn't have someone to gyan, at least in a theoretical sense. But oftentimes that interest is played down because of the student having a lack of theoretical knowledge and, and general understanding and, and so forth. But it's not necessarily something that has to be played down. And in, in one sense, I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, you're worshipping Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Kizir Deity, and so forth, and you decide that you would like to be like Hanuman and serve Ram, then it's kind of like you, you gotta got to kind of wonder, where's that coming from here? This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's talking about Goloka and so forth. I mean, it's possible you got you know brought in by Mahaprabhu's mercy and so forth and will be relegated there, and that, that happens sometimes, but the general idea is that those who become attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela will be attracted to Braj Bhakti. Or, you know, you're attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but you want to become, uh, you know, a devotee of Lord Narsingadeva or something like that. Generally, those who are attracted to Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya are attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya because they have some potential for Braj Bhakti in one of the four rasas, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya and Madhurya, and within the, those, the ones that have been most widely broadcast and represented in the Sampradaya is the Gopi Bhav and the Sakya Bhav. These two. So, if someone has inclination towards one of those, then we might take it a little more, more seriously. And there's no harm. There's no harm in a general sense to encourage as long as everything is made clear that the real bhajan is, is enacted on the platform of the Vajgan, Tattva, and so forth. 
if something inspires you to practice, that's good. Translates into real practice on a level that you, you need to practice, then that will be helpful. So it, it, my answer is it may be something that is um, just uh, imagination and it may be coming from the soul. So let an advanced Vaishnav determine and encourage you one way or the other, discourage you or encourage you. Do you follow? We find in Jaiva Dharma, for example, Pijai Kumar and, and Brajanath, they studied and they practiced and so forth. And at one point, before their initiation, they asked their guru. The guru asked them, what, so you studied all the read Bhagavatam and everything? So do you have any, is anything there that attracts you? Anything in particular? Well, so I really like this part. Following Krishna with the cowards and entering the forest and as Subal, Sukha, like that. I, I really like that. The other one said, I, I like this um, way of the gopis. I'm attracted to that. So then he said, all right, very good. So then he took them out to a separate place privately and he gave them initiation. And he told Brajanath, so you are a follower of Subal. That's your destiny. He told Vijay Kumar, you are a follower of the gopis under Lalita Saki and Lupamandi. In a very general way, he told. He didn't give them what they call Siddha Pranali and all this. That came much, 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 much later, and they got that from the Siksha Guru. After they passed through so many stages and so many stages and so many stages, they were quite advanced. Then more details about how to do bhajan, particularly for that attainment, was given to them when they were qualified to do that bhajan. But in the beginning stage, in a general way, he said, Oh, you find attraction? He said, Daddy, go in that direction. Very good. No harm. Some interest in that. See, I take it as a good sign. Oh, he has some interest in that. That is what Gaudi Vaishnavism is all about. Some people have no interest even. We should be careful not to be so browbeaten by the idea that it's very high to think that any interest in it is something I should run away from. In spite of all that kind of preaching that says this is very high, it's very high, still you have some interest in that. That must be a good thing. <laughs> we want, we want that. Of course, you have to qualify yourself. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. All right, we've gone a little late. We we'll stop there and have our take, and then a little prasad. Sri Sri Gaurnathanandaki Jai, Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Jai, Gaur Bhaktivinoda Jai, Gaur Premanandi.